the Brothers in Kayfabe. For over two seasons, the revolutionary force in brotherly kayfabe entertainment. And now, Pro Wrestling and Being a Good Brother present the Brothers in Kayfabe. Tonight, El Gigante, Jake Keel, and this is the Brothers in Kayfabe Thanksgiving Extravaganza to my immediate left on the Zoom channel. That is Mr. Rasslin, Lane Bumgarner, and I'm here joined live with Rob Conway and Tyson Tomko at Taboo Tuesday 2005. You had to drop in a Tyson Tomko reference. It's I not did. the podcast without is... Tyson Tomko anymore. No, but I will say, as I am watching Taboo Tuesday 2005, why, you might ask, because it's a November pay-per-view, and they're trying to see which legends will take on Tomko and Rob Conway, which legends going to join Eugene, and your options are Hacksaw, Kamala, and Jimmy Snuka. Beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Well, we're, we're live, pal. We're live. Uh, we weren't live last week because it was just Mr. Rasslin, Professor Rasslin himself. Um, to be completely transparent, my wife got a chance to go to a Thunder game for free. And uh, it's not very often that we get a free date night. So... Uh, that trumped podcast recording that night. Sorry, but, you know, here we are. And uh, Landon did a great job uh, all by himself talking about wrestlers theme music last week. So if you haven't gone and listened to that, um, do yourself a favor. Go listen to that episode. It's a great episode, Landon. Get our numbers up, baby. It's yeah. uh, It's something we need to. We need to go in depth on. Several more times. Oh, that looks so good. B elite. B B elite. I'm playing with figures. I mean, um, <laughs> you just saying it like music and wrestling. Like what? What a beautiful combination. And I, I I've got to say, my favorite, my absolute favorite, uh, theme music right now. We 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 talked about it. Um, I'm gonna pull it up real quick. But my absolute favorite, uh theme music right now and it gets me off the couch every time and I'm going to play it into the microphone like such great original music hangman Adam Page I wasn't here to celebrate my favorite wrestlers' big win, the culmination of a two-year storyline. 
To the so hangman. Cheers in with some whiskey. Oh gosh, I just spilled some. But you know, it's the moment that I've been waiting for for two years. He said he was going to be AW World Champion the first. That didn't happen. But long storm, long storm, long term storybooking. You know, here we are. Hangman Adam Page is your AEW World Champion. Cowboy shit is here to stay. And what better time was it than it was a couple days after my birthday that my favorite wrestler won the AEW title. And that's, I mean, that's the present you deserve. It was great. I, you know, knowing what we know now about what Kenny Omega has been wrestling with, Tip of the hat, dude. Like, can he's I had you? bad knees. He had a hernia. He had a torn labrum. He's been wrestling with it for apparently months. Yeah. So, I mean, tip of the hat. Like, I may not be able to stand uh, his shitty attitude, but the guy does nothing but give the best bouts of the night. So hats off to as um, Raj Cornette would say, uh, Kenny Olivier. So I will say the, my, my only complaint about hangman's win is that this didn't happen as soon as the match was over. Just have, you know, the greatest good guy on earth, Cody, come out. Me and Roger talked about that and how that would be absolute nuclear heat. Yeah. Like if he if he had come out and instantly challenged, even on Wednesday night, if he would have done that, it would have been bad. Just be like, it I'm the EVP. I've got the pencil. Too bad. Too bad. Well, you uh you storyline wise can't uh, be in the world title hunt, and he said, "I don't give a shit." Yeah, I'm Cody. Maybe, Rose. maybe not on the elites side of the card, but on Cody's side of the card. Now, you did say you were going to try to watch Full Gear. Did you get to watch any of Full Gear? I the only match I've seen is the world title match so far. Okay, so that's what I was going to talk about. Um, the best night, best match of the night was, uh, probably Darby versus MJF, which if, if, if I'm going to tell you to watch any matches from the entire night, go watch that and go watch, um, Kingston versus punk because they just, I have, I have seen highlights of Kingston versus punk and watch Miro and Danielson because they also just. Danielson is just on a level where he is giving and taking the most punishment on the roster. The dude is wrestling strong style right now. And he's no longer a good guy. Oh my gosh. We'll get to that. But the best part of the hangman match for me was, um, the Bucks coming out and basically giving him their blessing. Like, listen, we're not going to do anything. Like, it's your time. We know that. With the nod. 
and then he hits the he hits the um buckshot lariat and just how great of a moment like i don't see them going back to minneapolis anytime soon because the crowd was pretty dead all night in that moment, it should have blown the roof off the building. And yeah. in, in pretty much any other room, it probably would have. In Garland, it would have blown the roof off the building. Oh, easily. But, you know, I, I understand. You know, it's... It's, uh... You know, it's it's how they do things. So, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what we got. Um, Hangman is the perfect guy to... Hang that first L on uh, Danielson's um, record. I agree. Um, And it's like that solidifies Danielson as a heel that much more. The fact that like he's stepping right up to the biggest baby face they have. Side note, my wife just texted me. We, she has now been to three straight places that she got a drink in the last couple days and they didn't give her ice. Weird. Is there like an ice shortage right now? All, well, it, it's not a shortage as much as it is a backup. All the ice are in shipping containers <laughs> out on the ocean. <laughs> but anyway, um, Monday night, Brian Danielson turns heel. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think it was going to happen. At least not this soon. You got something to say over there? Jimmy Snuka and Eugene just beat Tomko and Rob Conway. Oh, my gosh. And now Tomko is just beating the snot out of Jimmy Snuka. Well, right now on Survivor Series 1992, or as Peacock says... Survivor Series, se- Survivor Series Season 6, Episode 1. I turned just to see Hacksaw Jim Duggan sprinting in his oh, blue God. dad shorts, sprinting down the ramp as fast as we've probably seen him since the early WWF run. I love it so much. And Kamala like limping and walking very slowly in the background of the same shot. And now they're all posing with Eugene. There you go. I mean, how great of a moment is that? Man, Um, you remember when Legends still showed up for WWE? Yeah, and it wasn't just Goldberg? Yeah. It it wasn't just Goldberg and... Goldberg. Yeah. I mean, that... Like, we we, we don't even get the NWO for Raw Reunion or anything anymore. Right. Just like here's Finley for Legends Night. But anyway, for people that are watching at home, I'm watching Survivor Series season six, episode one. Or as most would know it as Survivor Series 1992. <laughs> and right now I am looking at uh the Macho Man, yeah, and Mr. Perfect, who are about to team against the the team. Of Ric Flair and Razor Ramon Beba. Um, now, Jake, for those who are just joining us, please let them know what match between the law and the criminal took place. 
I just uh, real quick that this match was supposed to be the ultimate maniacs, macho man and ultimate warrior. But this was when warrior just left the company and no showed. And so they brought out Mr. Perfect. Which Um, like the, if I remember correctly, the story was there. Yeah. The story was there, but the, like promo of Mr. Perfect turning face is just yeah. incredible where he just slaps around Bobby Heenan. But right before this, um, right before this, I saw Tatanka defeat Rick Martell, which I didn't even recognize Rick Martell at this point. Um, But before that was a nightstick on a pole match between Big Boss Man and Nails. What a great day. Um, Wham, my daddy's dead. Wham, my daddy's <laughs> dead. R.I.P. Big Show's dead. R.I.P. The Big Boss Man. Yeah, no kidding. God, there's so many people. Like, it's just so sad to go look at some of these old cards. Like, out of this tag match, only two of them are still living. Which is heartbreaking. Rick Martell passed away, right? No, he is. Nope, he's still alive. He's still alive. Because he Um, just did a signing not too recently. Owen Hart. Uh, Coco is still alive. What about the head shrinkers? Are they still alive? Anyway, not to get all cuckoo here Um, okay carlito versus mick foley and the fans are voting on which face of foley it will be oh i love that and the winner is mankind how did i just realize the head shrinkers that mick foley and mankind are the same person right the head shrinkers samu and fatu yeah. How did I just realize that Fatu was Rikishi? Yeah. I had no clue. If we, whenever we do our first in person live show, everyone has to dance to the Too Cool song. Dude, I can't wait. Can't wait for that. Um, it was Afa. Afa was eating a turkey wing during that match. It was great. Um, this is just this is a crazy show. Like Yokozuna versus Virgil. Like Virgil. Um the Natural Disasters and the Nasty Boys versus Money Inc and the Beverly oh, Brothers. That's uh that's I Who love are that the so faces much. in that match? The fans. Are are the Natural Disasters and the Nasty Boys or is it all heels? Dude, one of the uh one of the Beverly brothers, is it the Beverly brothers? One of their sons is in NXT now? I don't know. We're going to find out. Yes. Cal Bloom. Cal Bloom. I just got to it. He's Von Wagner. Yeah, Von Wagner. I couldn't remember what the name was. He's the one that's tagging with uh, Kyle O'Reilly right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. We need it. We need 1992 Survivor Series Macho Man as a figure. 
That is some gear. Orange with the blue and yellow and green. It screams 90s. And then we got Ultimate Ric Flair uh, in the purple. And he's matching Razor Ramon, who's also in the purple. We need a we need and an then, ultimate razor. And then just the all black Mr. Perfect singlet with the like diamonds and stuff on the back. Oh man. I love gear from this era. Like it's so good. It wasn't all black with kick pads. Right. It's uh, I wish I wish I could find the picture where it was like Stone Cold if he wrestled on the indies. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that picture. And he's got like a knee brace. He's got like the kinetic tape. He's got like just a bunch of random tattoos and kick pads. Everyone's got the lace up boots. I love that Macho has double laces on each boot. I've always I, I always thought that was so great that he's got laces on the back and the front. This is the start of Ric Flair starting to get a little pudgy. Not too much, but he ain't as defined. God. Kurt Hannick, man. It just is so underrated. Nobody ever talks about Mr. Perfect like they do Macho Man and Ric Flair and even Razor. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you something I would like us to do live on the air. Because Technically, it aired, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, this aired just a few days ago, but we had a pay-per-view, Jake, one that you're watching right now. We did. And so I'm sending you a list. Your budget is $15. Oh, my gosh. And it is up to you to book the Ultimate Survivor Series team. Four or five? I would I would say try and do five unless you're going to blow all 50, $15 on top to your guys. I, I say try and stretch it to five. Okay. And then explain your reasoning. So I'm going to go ahead and read off. This is a great thing. So I'm going to read off each tier. As so, you're reading this, I it will be in the Facebook group. Okay. $1 tier, you have Vader, Gold Dust, Mankind, Mr. Perfect, and Jake the Snake. My wife keeps texting me, so it's it's throwing me off my rhythm. Um, <laughs> $2 tier, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, Lex Luger, Diesel, Razor Ramon. Gosh, these are stacked. $3 tier, Kane. Andre the Giant is a $3 tier? Hey, this is this is Andre on the way out, brother. Triple H, Dusty. Dusty is on the $3 tier. And Chris Jericho. $4 tier, Undertaker, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, and Sting. And the $5 tier, you have Hulk Hogan. Oh, hell yeah. Stone Cold. If you smell the rock, the ultimate warrior. 
in the year the macho man is the macho man. Okay. We have fifteen dollars. You're gonna mm-hmm. have to keep track of the math, okay? I will. So I'm gonna go a value on the first one. That's a one dollar tier. Because this is some damn good value for one dollar. And that is it's feet of time. Okay, solid pick, solid first okay. pick. Then we are I y'all probably know which one's coming next because i was like three dollar tier are you kidding me andre the giant okay even at that point who's gonna get him on his on his on his back right yeah so what i'm at four dollars i have 15 bucks four dollars so i have eleven dollars to play with yep i might come under budget here hey we're going five okay five I'm going to go with a $5 tier uh, guy. And that's my my dude. Oh, yeah. Macho madness. Yeah. Okay. Not no macho madness. So you're that's... Up, you're up to $9. I have $4 three. left. Yep. And you have three picks. No, you have $6 left. $6. Yeah. I'm horrible at simple math, guys. I have two guys left. So I have Vader. I have Andre. I have Macho Man. You know, we need some guys on this that can that can bring the energy to the match. So the next one is coming from the $2 tier. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to say, rest in peace, boy. Owen Hart. Mm. Okay. okay. So I got, what, $4 left now? Yes, four dollars oh, left in one pick. Oh man, we're 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 gold right now. We're gold. Who's more synonymous with Survivor Series than Brett, Brett the Hitman Hart? What a team! I like it. What a team! I like it. So you Vader, Owen, Andre, Brett, and Macho Man. I took one guy from each tier. I like that. I like that. That's good. What about you? Let's let's hear okay. Landon's perfect Survivor Series team. Let me let me think. Okay. And I, I'm gonna explain why I'm going with this selection. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. You're going to have two captains on this team. Oh. Hulk Hogan. Okay. And Stone Cold. Wow. Spending $10 on spending money up front, but there's some great talent down below. So I'm going to add Razor Ramon, Owen Hart, and Mr. Perfect to round it off. Owen, Mr. Perfect, Mr. Perfect, and Razor. That's a solid team. Now, let me explain why. So, in a perfect world in fantasy booking, you have Hogan and Austin as your team captains. Oh. And they pick Razor, and they pick Owen 
because they're they've been around a little while, right? Yeah, but they're they're just now really getting their break. Like only Hogan's probably one of the few people that remember Razor in AWA, and Owen obviously has the legacy to live up to. He's the he's the little brother, right? And so Hogan and Austin are there to give the rub to Razor and Owen to bring them up to true main event level. Okay. And then you have Mr. Perfect, who's been around, but he's never really been a top guy. Right. And this is how he rejuvenates his career and moves up into the main event instead of becoming a manager for Ric Flair and then going to WCW, not doing much, except maybe winning the U.S. title and being a manager there, too. Yeah. That's my take. I think it'd be fun. So... Here's an, here's a fun caveat to that. Who are your sole survivors? Your team wins. Who are your sole survivors from that team? Okay. I'm going to give you a realistic one, and then I'm going to give you the one I want. The one you would book versus yeah. the one that like everyone is going to see coming. The real one is going to be Hogan because... He's he's not going to lose. Hogan must pose. Austin's not going to want to lose, but I feel like ultimately Vince will be like, well, you know, he's an established star. You're you're still you're just now getting to this level. So I feel like that'd be the realistic option. The option I would want, however, I think it would be really really cool for Mister Perfect to be the sole survivor. I mean, just getting beaten left and right makes the tags. Everyone is just getting beat, okay? Yeah. I mean, just absolutely devastated. And let's... I'm just going to pick someone randomly from the full list just for this example. Let's say you have Brett on the other team and he has just made Owen tap. So it was down to Owen and Mr. Perfect, and now Owen is gone. Brett is gloating. Puts so the boots. In your, in your hypothetical, they're facing my team. Yes. Okay. Brett puts the boots to baby brother Owen after he's made him tap out, is gloating. Mr. Perfect creeps into the ring. Brett turns around, catches a kick to the gut into a perfect plex. One, two, three. Brett kicks out at 3.1. Oh. Oh. I love that. I really that, do. I th I think just because of the history of Brett and Mr. Perfect, that could be really cool. But I think you need to have Mr. Perfect win in a credible way to look strong instead of him like just getting a schoolboy or something. So, yeah, that's that's I like that a lot, actually. He gets the, he gets the move then the pin because that's the important thing. Like he could get the schoolboy because of outside interference and then. Well, it's like imagine. Um, uh, think of it like this. Let's say Stone Cold comes in, nails everybody with a stunner, and drags a lifeless body on top for his team to win. It's like that. Okay, that helps Stone Cold, but it doesn't help anybody else, right? Right, right. So, 
I think in my hypothetical, I might have two soul survivors. Because I think at this point in time, I don't think they're going to let Macho get pinned. And my 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 team is really that new generation esque like start era. So they didn't bring Macho out much. Yeah. So I don't think they're gonna let him eat a pin. So Macho survives. I like that. Macho survives, but we're pushing. We're pushing somebody as well. And this guy wins the match for them. Ooh. Macho is laid out on the outside when this all happens. But the hot tag has been made to Mr. High Energy, Owen Hart. I did pick Owen Hart, right? Yeah. I yes, did pick, you did. Because I picked him and Brett, didn't I? Mm-hmm. So, Brett is a heel at this time, in my hypothetical. But Owen is the face. He's Mr. High Energy. And Vader Vader gets eliminated early because he uh, loses his composure, gets counted out, something. Brett gets schoolboyed. When he's not looking. And then he lays out his brother. So Owen has not been in the match almost this entire match. Because we're already we're already building to that brother versus brother in my hypothetical. Just a lot earlier. In this world, Owen Hart is a lot ends up being a lot bigger of a deal than he he was. He was a huge deal, but like he was a world champion in my hypothetical because he deserved to be. And that's not just because he passed away young. He deserved to be world champion. Andre. I think one of the heels make it look like Andre uh, got disqualified. They get Andre disqualified somehow. They, you know, the chair, you know, whatever. So that leaves us with Macho Man and Owen. Macho Man's taking a beating. He's taking that baby face beating and gets that hot tag to Owen. Owen comes in like a wildfire, gets the pin after after a finisher, and we have a new star who's now getting a hot shot to Mania. What was Mania that year? The Mania 93. 93, that would have been... Let me think. I'm Googling 90, it. Let's see. Uh, 99. Er, my bad. Yeah, 99, 94, or <laughs> 98. 97, 96, 91, 
93 was in Caesar's Palace. So WrestleMania 9. So in this, this is perfect. In this metaphorical world, Owen wins the title instead of Brett and goes on to face Yokozuna. Yokozuna wins the strap, but Hogan doesn't come out because that should have never happened. But Hogan's my team captain, so I tell him to go. <laughs> Listen, <Anybody>. kid. <laughs> Hogan gets a black eye from Brett backstage. There you go. There you go. So that was fun. I like that. We need to do a little bit more fantasy booking on this show. I agree. That was a to lot quote, of fun. To quote Sting, when he's walking up the ramp after beating Jeff Hardy in under two minutes and the fans are chanting BS, BS. I agree. I agree. It almost, from this point of view, the milk shooting out almost makes it look like he has like a femur bone is just like snapped it in half. <laughs> that does kind of look like it. Um, that was fun. We we need to rebook some of the big events in wrestle in in wrestling history. Um, what we would change, what we would keep the same. That would be fun. Maybe we can do that uh, in December sometime. I think we should. Um, but that kind of leads us in. We're we're talking about Survivor Series. Landon, what's your favorite Survivor Series match? Now, when you say that, do you mean match that has occurred at a pay-per-view or five-on-five tag? Both. Okay. I'm, I think my favorite Survivor Series match of all time, just a match that has occurred on the card. I think I will go with the first ever Elimination Chamber in 2002. Ooh, that's a good choice. That is Which, a really good choice. If you've peacocked the Ruthless Aggression documentary series, season two has started. And I don't know if this episode is out yet, but I have seen an ad for the Elimination Chamber match uh, to be featured in an episode. Um, But I think that one, just because it was so different i mean yeah. we'd seen steel cage matches <laughs> like we'd seen all the weird ones in wcw but we since wcw went under we'd never really seen anything beyond just a steel cage match or a hell in a cell and so to have something this fresh and unique is just really cool and that original roster in the match, and for those of you who don't know, Shawn Michaels, this is his final world title run, wins the title for the first time since 98 in that wow. match. But also, that really like, really is his last world title, isn't it? Yeah. And to think that he would wrestle another eight years after that. Um, but like the fact that Booker T's in the match, I think Kane's in the match, RVD. And it's just like, like just the possibility of like, what if RVD would have become world champion in that match? Right. Or what if Kane became world champion or Booker T? Um, so that's my favorite match overall. Now I'm going to, 
I'm too lazy to look up the full team names. Um, but my favorite five-on-five match, which is funny because I don't necessarily like the whole show versus show theme that they have done in recent years. I liked it back in really since the the brand split. I want to say 2004 might have been the first real year that they did it, but they had two matches. They had two traditional Survivor Series matches. One would be kind of based around a feud, and then the other one would be like Raw versus SmackDown. I think if it's featured but not the main focus, it's okay. So a perfect example of that is my favorite five-on-five Survivor Series match of all time, personally, is Survivor Series 2005 Team Raw versus Team SmackDown just because that was the first time you really got to see Raw versus SmackDown. Um, Like, I think in 2004 they had a show versus show match but it wasn't built. I mean, you had SmackDown show up and attack Raw. And you had Raw show up and attack SmackDown. Famously, Kane and Big Show, Double Choke Slam, Batista. Who's the world champion at this time? Through the windshield of a car. And just create. There's a really cool moment. I'll probably put the clip in the Facebook group of like. SmackDown shows up to Raw and Eric Bischoff is like panicking and goes backstage and finds the Raw team. And he's like, listen, whatever you do, they do not step foot in this building. If any of you let them step foot in this building, you're off the team or you're fired. Something like that. And so like Shawn Michaels, Chris Masters, Kane and Big Show, and somebody else, they just go, and it's just like a cool parking lot brawl. Um, but what's most important about that match, and this is the real reason it's my favorite, is Randy Orton, who's on Team SmackDown, wins the match for his team. And so the entire SmackDown locker room comes out, hoists Randy up, and they're celebrating. Gong. The lights flicker. They're still celebrating. Randy is seems to be the only person in the arena who noticed that. Gongs again, and then the lights go out, and Randy starts panicking. He's like, put me down, put me down, put me down. And there's a casket at the top of the stage. Lightning strikes it. It bursts into flames, and Undertaker kicks that casket open and walks down the ring and just clears house. That's where the famous uh, gift comes from, isn't it? Where it's mm-hmm. like Randy going, yeah, like an Undertaker just emerging from the flames. For me personally, I know it's probably not the greatest match of all time, right? But for me, being such a Randy Mark in that feud of Randy versus Undertaker, and it's like, like you, we saw the Undertaker get burned alive, <laughs> and now he's emerging from a flaming casket. Yeah, it's just, it's just cool. So, Jake. What is your favorite match that's ever happened at Survivor Series and your favorite tag match from Survivor Series? Number one, and I'm going to have to pull it back up because I couldn't remember the year. Um, Number one was Survivor Series 1998 for my match. 
And that okay. was the year of the tournament of the um, uh, uh, the deadly game tournament. This was that year they tried something different with the Survivor Series for the first time. Like, really just didn't have anything that was traditional Survivor Series. And Which, it, like, it's cool, but it's interesting the amount of backlash it received initially. Right. Just the fact that they would, what do you mean you're not going to have a tag match? And if I'm not mistaken, this is the match that's featured in... Uh, um. The documentary. What's the documentary? Beyond the Mat. Is this the one where him and him and Rock, when Mankind and Rock just kind of I let me double check. You might be right. I know that they screw Mankind. It's either this or at no, this is where they're making fun of the Montreal screw job. Excuse me. Okay, okay. I was about to say it's either at Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble. It's the Royal Rumble where it's the I quit with with all the chair shots. With all the chair shots. Um. So it's okay, Daddy's just got a little boo boo. It'll right. be okay. But this is you know they also went a little too far with this match. But it's just such a good match. I love the tournament idea. I'm a sucker for a tournament because when there's a vacant title. Yeah, we should have a tournament. Like in tournaments, like it's such easy natural storytelling. Right. It's like, okay, there's a winner. And so they're competing to be the winner. I mean, like right. right. Boom. You don't even have to set it up. You've got a tournament. And it always ends up with a heel on one side and a face on the other. This was the one though where excuse me, where they were both baby faces entering the match and rock turns on mankind and joins uh the corp corporation i had to stop myself from saying the corporate the corporation um, of domination <laughs> but um but yeah it's it's such a great match if you haven't seen it go watch it it's it's outstanding these they go off on each other. The Rock and Mankind were great. They worked together so well. So it just, it helps that they, they are that good with each other that like it, it's just natural. Um, my favorite, uh, my favorite, uh, Survivor Series match. And I like, the old school Survivor Series matches. I like the 80s, early 90s because it, that just screams Survivor Series to me. Mm -hmm. You had these teams that were together for one night only. And not all of them made sense, but they always had a team too, that like a team name. I yeah, loved that. Like about the it. dream team. Right. I just got to that. It was the dream team versus the enforcers. You know, it's Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown, Rick Martell, and Honky Tonk Man. Like, like, it's just, but it's just perfect because it's unlike anything you're going to get from the rest of the year WWE programming. It's actually a tie and it's on the same show. So Survivor Series 1989, Survivor Series 1989, 
There For those not seeing at home, there's a new Mattel Survivor Series 1989 Hulk Hogan out, and I was just holding it up on camera. Um, you have the Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, Jake Roberts, Axe and Smash, defeating the Million Dollar Team, Ted DiBiase, the Warlord, the Barbarian, and Zeus. Dude, I miss Zeus. Now, I'm double-checking something real quick. Okay. Because I, I I think I'm right. But I don't want to assume and be wrong. Okay, while you're looking that up, I'm going to bring up my other one. Do it. The King's Court defeating the 4x4s. The King's Court, which is Randy Savage... Canadian Earthquake, <laughs> Dino Bravo, and Greg Valentine. For those at home, Canadian Earthquake is just the earthquake. Like, for some reason, they called him Canadian, Canadian Earthquake at this point. Uh, with Jimmy Hart and Queen Sherry, by the way. Defeating the 4x4s, which was Jim Duggan, Bret Hart, Ronnie Garvin, <laughs> and Hercules. This is such a, a a crazy time in in wrestling. Like, there's only there could only be those kind of people. Like, I love that Randy Savage is such a despicable heel at this point, and he's teaming with the Earthquake of all of all people. Oh man, um. Coming onto my screen right now, we've got <laughs> we have got the Beverly Brothers, yes, and Money Inc. versus the Natural Disasters. Speaking of earthquake and the Nasty Boys, I forgot that the genius was uh, managing the Beverly Brothers at this point. So we get some Lanny Poffo on the. Uh, on this uh on this card okay i could not find it and it crushes me i can't find a way to confirm it but i thought i thought that maybe it was 89 survivor series if not 90 that hogan wore the infamous war bonnet which one is it i I don't know that it's either. I'm not fine. All I can find is that he started wearing it in mid 1989. And it was strictly because they were trying to sell them through merchandise. So why not have Hogan start wearing them? Yeah. And he had the, he had the, um, the license plate around. Yeah. His, uh, to quote him, I had a double wide back then. So ridiculous, man. Also, the fact that they called it a war bonnet. Yeah, um, not not a helmet, a war bonnet. He doesn't need a helmet, Mean Gene. Um, but yeah, those are those are my favorites. I love I love Survivor Series. Um, I don't like it really as of recent because it's become too much about the brand war. 
I did like it a few years ago where each brand invaded each other's brand. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate that they just don't build to it anymore. Like this year, the joke was made that like Team Raw, literally everyone on Team Raw was on SmackDown like weeks before. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so like, why do they care? <laughs> but like, I don't know, man. It's just... Well, it's like... they It's like you said, they just don't build to it. So it's like, well, why do I want to watch? Like, yes, it's normally like champion versus champion, but it's like, why am I invested in the match if the match isn't even mentioned on TV? Um, But then we had like, and I'm trying to remember which one it was recently go ahead i do have an honorable mention um let me double check yeah brock versus aj styles at survivor series oh that's such a good match because originally it was supposed to be daniel bryan versus brock yeah which would have been just as good, but that like, if you claim you're you don't want to watch a single Brock Lesnar match, I encourage you to go watch that match because it's just it's perfect. Like it's it's believable. Like one of the greatest moments. I can't remember what happens. I think Brock goes for the F five in midair. AJ like slides down his back and locks in the calf cutter. And like Brock is actually selling, and it's just, it's a great, it's a fun match. So, um, I believe Survivor Series 2018, we get the leading up to the event, we get the <laughs> we get the Build up where everyone's invading everyone. Like SmackDown is invading Raw, and then Raw invades SmackDown. And that's the that is the buildup where we get the launch of the man, Becky Lynch. That's, that's right. Because do you remember what happens to her face? That's what I was getting ready to say. Nia Jax gives her one the hard way, breaks her nose and concusses her. For you marks that love strong style, how is Nia Jax not your favorite wrestler? Right. Right. I want to see Nia Jax versus Nick Gage. That would that would be interesting. <laughs> on uh on Green with MB, Chelsea uh Green said that she wants uh she wants to do a match with Nick Gage. How crazy would that be? Like I couldn't watch it. I I don't know if I could either. But anyway, but that's when Nia Jax gives her uh, a punch the hard way. And the infamous shot of Becky with just blood pouring down her face and supposedly concussed this entire time and gets has to get written off of Survivor Series because of it, where she was supposed to face Ronda. For right. the as a title versus title, I don't think it was for the titles, but 
And then they move Charlotte over to that match because Becky's hurt. But that's like the catalyst to Mania to 2019 being all about the the women. Yeah. Like that's where it started. And Becky loses her title there shortly after. Um, yeah, that was 35 at MetLife. Becky loses their title uh, shortly thereafter. And then um, we get the first women's main event in WrestleMania history. Like, that's awesome. That's such a cool fact about a Survivor Series that it, like, really kind of launched that whole focus on the women's division and made Becky this superstar, which she is now. Um. And of course, that was one of the last like, holy crap, this mania is too long. Mm-hmm. Manias. And I think now from now on, we're going to get a two night mania. <laughs> yeah. And I, but, well, I was about to say, and that's, you know, that's before mania was two nights and it was still too long. Oh, my gosh, dude. I think I, I can't remember if it was this one. I think it is where. Um, I was at Tad's house and we watched this whole WrestleMania and by the end, it's like almost midnight. We've been there since like three or four in the afternoon. Yeah. And by the end of this show, I'm just like, I am ready to F and go home. Well, that's what I remember about the, the Dallas one. Like by the time Roman Triple H went on. It's like, why am I being? Why are they still having matches? And it like it was a good match. I just had zero desire to keep watching it. Same right. with well, I guess it would have been like two years later. Um, Roman versus Undertaker. Same thing. I just don't want to watch it. Yeah, it's like. I had, I think WrestleMania 22, and I love WrestleMania 22 so much. I think that I think that's WWE's first four-hour show. Yeah, because I I need to see if I can find it on the packaging because I think it even says like we couldn't contain it all in three hours, and like four hours is still a long time for a show. Yeah, but it's okay. Yeah, especially if it's one of the big four. I mean, my my T my TV taping that I went to for AW was almost four hours. Like, and that was fine. We ended up leaving early because it was, we were watching dark elevation matches and I just didn't, at that point I needed to get water for my CPAP machine. Right. And like I needed to go home, but like, but when we've got an eight hour WrestleMania, it's too much. That's too much wrestling for me. It's the oversaturation harms the effect of the show and the yeah. benefit of the show. Yeah. Um 2018 Survivor Series Raw's Universal Champion Brock Lesnar defeats SmackDown's WWE Champion Daniel Bryan. Okay, so they did do the match. I remember. Yep, I remember that was whenever Daniel Bryan was uh the vegan the eco the eco yeah. champion. I remember that was made from wood and hemp. 
Yeah. So Brock versus AJ, Brock versus Daniel Bryan, and Brock versus Finn. Those, like great. those are all great matches. It shows that Brock can still work. Yeah. He's just smart. He's in the Hogan role to where he knows he doesn't have to. I right. think. But um, he turns it on when he does. Yeah. It's like even, I think it's Seth Rollins. I don't remember what the match was, but he got really upset yeah. because Brock didn't want to do much. And Brock was like, well, they're not going to remember anything we do. They're just going to remember this crazy run in at the end. And he's, I mean, he's got a point. Yeah. It's like, you know, no one remembers the three-on-three tag team match at Bash at the Beach. They just remember the finish. Yeah. When Hogan comes out, you know, no one remembers that Lex Luger, I think Lex Luger, he either takes like a clothesline or a scoop slam, a very basic move. And he's And he's selling, yeah, he's selling for the entirety of the match. Yeah, he's gone. He he gets it to where it's a two by two on two. Yeah, I, I know we weren't meaning to talk about WrestleMania, and I'm so glad that it's two night show now. Survivor Series is the WrestleMania of November, but Survivor Series. I wish that they gave a crap about Survivor Series anymore. It's like the one big four pay per view that they just don't care about anymore. Mm-hmm. But they still try to make you think that it's serious, like it's a big deal. Yeah, which is uh, it's heartbreaking because Rumble is still huge, Mania and SummerSlam were still huge. The Survivor Series is like, eh. yeah. I would say probably out of all four, the biggest obviously is WrestleMania. The second biggest is Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Now they try to make SummerSlam seem like Mania of the summer, but uh, it, it doesn't. Really, o- it doesn't always deliver like that. It's not special. The Rumble is always special. I I have never been upset at a Royal Rumble match. What about whenever? What year was it? Twenty. Is it 2013? When Roman won? Yeah, when Roman won, and then when Batista wins. I didn't even hate when Batista won. I loved it. The internet hated it. I just yeah, remember... Him heel. I remember, I think it's... Rey Mysterio comes out as number 30, and everyone was expecting it to be Daniel Bryan coming back yeah. out for the second time. And so Rey comes out, and they're just booing, and Rey's like, you know what? I'm going to go to Lucha Underground. See you guys. Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, like, Survivor Series was such a big deal because it was like, was it the third big pay-per-view that they started? Mm -hmm. Or was it the second? It's third. Because it went... At least I'm pretty sure it's Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. It is the second longest running pay-per-view event in history. So Survivor Series and SummerSlam are flip-flopped. So he, so Survivor Series, I, I just found out this information. 
Survivor Series, yes, is the second longest running pay-per-view. Let me... So it started in 87. Let me see when the first Royal Rumble was. Yeah, so the first Royal Rumble was 88. And I think that was the first year they ran SummerSlam, too. Yeah. Because Royal Rumble wasn't a pay-per-view. It was a USA special. Yeah. Because our boy Hacksaw won. Yeah. Um, Did you know that they now consider... They no longer have... Oh, my gosh. What is happening? Hey, Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. Look I love that. Than you I love that pairing. I do. RK uh, bro. RK bro. I love that. Like Randy completely just beats the crap out of him sometimes just because he's not listening to him. I love that. Like he's a, it's like a big brother, little brother situation. It, it really is. So they now do not consider themselves having a big four. Boo. They now have a big five. Don't say. WWE has a big five. Any guess at what the fifth big event is? Money for children, slave. <laughs> no, no. None of the Saudi shows. Oh. It's not the greatest Royal Rumble. Oh. Because uh, I was about to say, like, some of those Saudi shows are bangers. Oh, that's their that's their biggest moneymaker. For sure, because um, they don't even they don't even have to foot the production bills for those. That's true. Um, let me think. It's really easy, actually. Which one it is? I don't think it's at that level yet, but they consider it at that level. Do 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 do. Is it? Is it like fast lane or, or is it money in the bank? It's money in the bank. Uh, that makes, I can see that. That match alone. I miss is, when money in the bank wasn't a pay-per-view. I do too. I, I miss when it was part of mania. Yeah. Like that's the greatest mania openers you could ever have. Right. I also really loved when they would have the uh, IC title in a ladder match at mania. I just, I love that idea. Like, this is net. This should have been a staple of Mania every year. The IC title has a ladder match, but um, Money in the Bank is now considered one of their big five events. I would say the match is one of their biggest matches. I, I would love too. that. I I think it's right there with the Royal Rumble as far as importance. I love the concept of the Money in the Bank. It's one of the greatest things that uh, Chris Jericho's ever invented. <laughs> I had to just throw that little deal in there. Hey, hey, Raj, I know you love Chris Jericho. You know, I um, invented Jungle Boy. Did you know uh, I invented uh, pro wrestling when me and Fozzie were on tour? But um, <laughs> hey, he invented Kenny Olivier. He invented Kenny Olivier. Um. I think it's right there. Like it, it definitely needed its own pay-per-view. I wish it didn't just because I think some of the importance behind it has been lost. Mm-hmm. I do like that. They only have one male match and one female match. No, now though, I do too. It's kind of like, like, go ahead. I like the idea of the money in the bank holder. You don't know where he's going to end up, where she's going to end up. Like, mm-hmm. 
It's an automatic contract to switch brands if they want to. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, it's kind of like with TLC and Hell in a Cell. Like, it takes away some of the specialness of it, knowing that, oh, okay, they're going to have multiple of those matches every year on this card instead of... But I will say, Seth Rollins versus Edge, um, Hell in a Cell at Crown Jewel was really good. It was very good. Because that's the first time, and I don't know how long, that it was a legit just a Hell in a Cell match that wasn't on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I think they need to take away those two pay-per-views. Yeah. A TLC match, they never use TLC outside of TLC now. And they never use Hell in a Cell besides like that. Yeah. Outside of Hell in a Cell. And they were meant to be the blow-off match. Mm Mm-hmm. They were meant to end the feud, and some of the feuds start at Hell in the Cell. That's mm-hmm. not right to me. No. It's just like, it, it's frustrating because it removes like the specialness of it. Now, I will say, I think the only exception is for like three years in a row, maybe. Elimination Chamber was always at the was at New Year's <clears throat> Revolution, which is kind of like okay, <laughs> like I I do kind of like the idea of the Elimination Chamber. It happens once a year, and like it's a, it's a big thing to be in, but then it quickly became okay. We're gonna have multiple Elimination Chamber matches, and now it's just gonna be a pay per view, and it's like well, that kind of yeah. It kind of just defeats the purpose of it. So I love that. um, I love that they have the Elimination Chamber on the road to WrestleMania because Mm -hmm. it makes the WrestleMania build not as stale from Rumble to Mania. Yeah, there's the reality that whoever is the champ at the rumble they may not be the champ at mania anymore and it's not it's not a it's not a deal where you um it's not a deal where you like oh the rumble has happened uh, you know, Stone Cold won, and he's currently feuding with The Rock. So it's definitely going to be Stone Cold versus The Rock at Mania. It's too much of a build to get to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm all for long-term storybook storytelling, but also there's too much area in there where you have stale booking yeah, it, and not to mention, you know, you've 10 other matches on the card at Mania. And so it's like, well, how many are going to have a long-term build and how many are just going to be stupidly rushed? Now, if it was in the time where we still only had four to five pay-per-views, that's different. Yeah. Because you don't have rest a champ wrestling 
every night. Or you have some of the, <laughs> you have some of the pay-per-views in the last couple of years where it's like, okay, the pay-per-view airs in two hours and there's only one confirmed match. Right. Why would I spend money to watch this? Right. So before we get out of here, I know it's we're we're closing in on our normal time. Plus, we got to fit in uh, the corny wrestling review. For the first time ever, guys, we've got a new segment, the corny wrestling review. Um, let us know how you like it. This week, I'm reviewing the opening segment and match from this week's AEW Dynamite. And oh boy, did we get a treat. They opened up with the Hardly Boys and everybody's favorite cosplay doll wrestler, Kenny Olivier. And boy, is he putting on an acting clinic. And he's teaching us how to be sad and contemplative. And Penn... Ah, who cares? He sucks. He sucks. This whole thing sucks. Nobody cares. He sits there and tries to tell Paige that he's got a job ahead of him, blah, blah, blah. But acts like he's sad and defeated and like he doesn't know what's going on with the match, saying he hasn't watched it. And no, nobody's buying this. It's all, it's all crap. It's him trying to just play actor and he's terrible at it. Kenny Olivier needs to go away with the acting... It's not good. And then he turns and makes a comment to, of course, Adam Cole, the one real wrestler in this whole band of misfits, uh, and proceeds to tease some kind of dissension between him and the Bucks, and it fell flatter than a plate of piss, and nobody cared. So, thank God he's going away for a while, because boy, oh boy, I'm so tired of seeing this guy. And his stupid Harley boy buddies. And let's not forget that pasty, nameless, faceless, fishy white Brandon Cutlet behind the camera who's just as insufferable. Next, the camera cut to the outside in the arena and showed the dork order job guys in the ring welcoming out the hometown hero Adam Page to celebrate his title win from Full Gear. Young Brutus is on the microphone as always and uh, introduces Page. And Page comes out to a pretty big pop. Lots of signs in the crowd. A uh, huge reception for the hometown hero, which I would hope to God would happen. They've only built this thing for two damn years. And he gets in the ring and proceeds to give a good promo. Crowd starts giving the You Deserve It chant. And he cuts him off and says, Nope, I earned it. And that I can appreciate. That's a nice way of putting a little spin on that whole uh, wrestling crowd trope. And then proceeds to give a promo that seemed pretty, you know, heartfelt and was okay. But then it just got cut off. Boy, oh boy. Why the hell can this company not let anybody actually finish a damn promo in the ring or even in the backstage without getting interrupted? They've built for this thing for two years. The guy just won the title, and they can't even give him a full promo 
to celebrate his victory. This is the kind of crap that just kind of makes me want to throw my remote through the damn television. Instead, I'd rather spend more time focusing on the dork order job guys, bouncing around the ring and being happy, than giving Paige the time to celebrate his win. Brian Danielson comes out, starts off with, you know, seemingly a normal, friendly promo, and then cuts right into full-blown heel territory, telling Paige that he was expecting it to be Omega and not him, as if he thought Omega was better. And then proceeded to keep completely tearing into him and taking verbal jabs, which I thought went pretty well. And by the end of it, he had this damn crowd booing him. Bravo for Brian Danielson for making such a solid, logical heel turn in the process of this by stating he wants to basically kick his ass. Showing conflict, you know, that really cool thing that wrestling is based on. Gets you invested. But then they had a moment where Brian Danielson decided that he was going to say that he was going to wrestle him tonight, but he can't because, he, because Adam Page is not in wrestling gear. This is where they lost me. Because at that point, if that was the case... Brian should have just kicked the teetotal shit out of him. Because, let's be honest, even the Dork Order job guys there, nobody would buy any of them getting the upper hand on Danielson. So then they have a looking pull-apart. And boy, oh boy, wouldn't you know who won the pony. This thing fell flatter than a plate of piss. And nobody cared. Almost no physical interaction. The little bit of contact that was made uh, looked fake and phony. And Paige's throwing popcorn punches. It was just awful. So then Brian ducks out of the ring and they cut to commercial to get ready for him to have his match with everybody's favorite dork order jobber, the one and only Pizzeria Uno. And I thought, please God, stop this now. They cut back from break and the match starts off quick with Brian instantly jumping into it and giving a lot of offense and just kicking the crap out of Uno. Which I can appreciate. Lots of stiff shots. Very aggressive. Very heel oriented. But then Uno ends up getting offense. And I thought. What the hell. Why is this even a thing? Why are they giving this. Completely. Ridiculous job guy. Offense against. Who is supposed to be their top heel challenger. For this company. What. The hell. Match goes back and forth. This should have been done in two minutes or less. This should have been quick in and out for Brian Danielson. Instead, it turned into a seven and a half minute match. I repeat, seven and a half minutes. I timed it. Why? Why is your former world champion of other promotions... Who's coming in as your top babyface and is now going to be transitioning to your top heel to challenge your top babyface for the world title. Giving up any offense to a job guy on national television for seven and a half minutes. This guy shouldn't have got a lick in. Brian should have come in, kicked his head off, running knee, choke out, and done. They could have done the exact same thing 
in a matter of a minute and a half to two minutes and got the point across all the same. And if anything, if he did it that fast, it would have made it even more impressive and would have got him even more heat from the crowd instead of giving it a back and forth. There's no reason to give this nameless, faceless jobber any kind of offense, in this case, against a guy like Brian Danielson. Absolutely ridiculous. And from this point, I just threw my notes up in the air and I said, F*** it. I am done with this show. So that's going to end it for the corny review. Thank you, f*** you, see you next week. Before we get out of here, I want to ask, what is your favorite wrestling Thanksgiving moment? Ooh. Since we are on the road to Thanksgiving, this is the go home to Thanksgiving. What is your favorite Thanksgiving okay. moment? I will and, say. And it can't be when the Undertaker built a custom coffin for Kamala. It is not. But it is TNA related because TNA oh. always aired on Thursdays. And so they always had some kind of a Thanksgiving special, which like it, it was cool because it's harking back to the good old days of territory wrestling where there is a big Thanksgiving show. Yeah. Like Stark. And this is it's not the greatest moment, but it's the one I remember the most. I don't even know whose house they're at. I don't think it's Dixie Carter's house, but they're all these wrestlers and knockouts are at somebody's house having a big Thanksgiving meal. And there's a food fight going on. Somehow a food fight breaks out and awesome Kong just reaches up as food is flying through the air and grabs a turkey leg like midair and just devours it. I love it. And it's just like, I love that. It's so such much. a ridiculous moment. But those shows, they would always have like a really big match on them. And then just ridiculous segments like that. For those at home, I'm not doing anything weird. I'm playing with a bone cruncher. Um, You're just I love that. Repeatedly love that so snapping a man's leg. I love that because there always seems to be a Thanksgiving celebration. And uh There always seems to be a Thanksgiving celebration, and then it ends in a uh, in a food fight. A food fight. Do you have a favorite Thanksgiving wrestling moment? It wouldn't be Thanksgiving without a Thanksgiving food fight. It also wouldn't be Thanksgiving without the Divas Gravy Bowl match. It's not my favorite, <laughs> but it, it's. I mean, it's you're not wrong. Like what? Like why? Like why? It's basically the bra and panties match, but with gravy. With gravy. And it was Trish Stratus and Stacey Keebler in 2001. If y'all want to see the Divas Gravy Bowl match, um, yeah. Uh, no, my favorite, uh, and it's it's not the Goblety Gooker, <laughs> although that's really far up there. Uh, I, love, I love that The Undertaker is always a Thanksgiving staple for the WWF for some reason. Like you would think that they would have had like an October pay per view for him to be the staple right, of. Yeah. Like, um, no, it's just that it's I love that we always end up having 
a Thanksgiving feast that ends in a giant food fight. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just classic. It's classic booking. There's the, a couple of years back, it's like the turkey eating contest between Titus O'Neill and like great Collie or someone. And then he throws up in JBL's cowboy hat and then they put it on Michael Cole. That was stupendous. I love that. There can be entertainment in a wrestling show. Um, does it mean every week needs to be a food fight? I just, I also, I also love that we built up this rest, the survivor series egg. And everyone thought that was going to be how was it? Ric Flair was going to debut. Yeah. That Ric Flair was in the (laughs) egg. Yeah. But that would make, make sense. Right. But it was the gooker played by Hector Guerrero. I believe so. I think it was Hector. Who was also in TNA as one of the Spanish commentators for quite a while. Which also, great album, The Mountain Goats. It Uh, is. What was that? What was that? What was the song about the Guerreros? It It is. It was about Chavo. Yeah. Uh, Chavo classic, if you're going by WWF booking. Go listen to the Mountain Boat Goats. The Legend they, of Chavo Guerrero. The Legend of Chavo Guerrero. Their um, best album ever was all about wrestling. Every song on the album was about wrestling. And it was... Um, uh, beat the Champ. Beat the Champ. It's a, like, it's a, like, it's... Musically, it's a fantastic album. As oh, yeah. a wrestling fan, it's a fantastic album. It's got such tracks as the Southwestern Territory, the Legend of Chavo Guerrero, Foreign Object, Animal Mask, Choked Out, Heel Turn Two, Fire Editorial, Stabbed to Death Outside of San Juan, Werewolf Gimmick, Luna, Unmasked, The Ballad of Bull Ramos, and Hair Match. It's a great album. Every song is great. And you can tell that they simply just love pro wrestling. Like, I mean, they obviously have to, to do an entire album of pro wrestling, but specifically probably the best song on the, on the album is the legend of Chavo Guerrero. And he talks about all the Guerreros, but Chavo was the, was his favorite one. And, uh, I love it. So go listen to the Mountain Goats if you haven't. But um, I think that's just going to about, about do it. Do you got anything else to add today, Landon? No, I think that's it. By now in the show, you all will have heard the first edition of Corny's Corner. Let us know what you think. Um, we're like, like we said, we're trying to test out some new things. We've got stuff cooking for season four already. We're giving um, a, we're giving a guy a shot here. We are, and this is episode eleven of season three. Um, we like to do around twenty two episodes, twenty to twenty two episodes per season, and so we're we're plugging away. But we're already brainstorming for season four, just how we can improve. You know, As always, we appreciate any and all feedback. Um, 
if you if you want us to interview you, drop us a line. Let us know why you're worth interviewing. Speaking of which, we have an interview next week. We do. We didn't procrastinate and get an interview right before we were about to record. We, we are not. planning ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Making moves. Next you know, year, we'll be making sitcoms and motion pictures, baby. That was one of the best Dusties ever. I th- it's literally... the Okay, I take that back. It's not the if only time I've made a Dusty uh, impression... The only other time I've done that is whenever Ric Flair went in the WWE Hall of Fame. They showed a video package before, and it's all of these superstars and legends all giving their best woo. And it, everyone's just woo, 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 woo. And then you get to Dusty, and he's like, woo, ow, woo. It's just like, of course, Dusty can't just say woo. He's got to add other syllables to it. Quick side note to that. Um, when I was in college, we bought a house to live in. My uh, realtor was a in his late sixties uh, gay man. Was one of the sweetest people I've ever met in my life. His name was Dusty Rhodes. You heard it here, folks. It has been confirmed. Virgil Runnels was. A gay man. And he was a realtor in Wichita. And a realtor. Kansas. But hey, uh, yeah. May- maybe that's why Jim Hurd liked him so much. But that's a story for another day and for another podcast. Either way. Oh, my boy. <laughs> You're teasing me, <laughs> my boy. We- <laughs> Next week, we will have an ROH legend on hand. Eh, not not how you usually think of, but a a lady who has been around Ring of Honor taking pictures, a super fan, if you will. Someone who has shared many a front rows with super fan Vladimir. That was a great picture, wasn't it? It was. She is wearing Vladimir in this picture like a backpack. Oh, literally. Man, when are we going to get the the Peacock documentary about Vladimir that teased us with? I can't wait. I hope I hope we do soon. I bet we see our next guest, Miss Mary Kate Anthony, famous from her front row seats at many Northeastern shows, friend of Matthew Cardona and Brian Myers. She's awesome. We can't wait to have her on next week and pick her brain and just hear all her stories that she has. So that's going to be a fun interview, guys. Don't miss next week. Maybe we can get her to share some photos, too. I would love to see some of the photos she has. She's a great she's a great photographer. Like I've seen some of her Ring of Honor stuff. It's incredible. But um, Mary Kate Anthony is going to be on next week. Super fan Mary Kate Anthony. And guys, we're on the back half of season three. And that means the build to Brotherfest is on. We're going to have some great people on. But we also want to know who do you want to see on Brotherfest? Because we're going to try to get everyone we can 
on Brotherfest 1. I can't wait. It's going to be our first live event. Live it's on Facebook. Good. We've got wheels turning. As as we're going off airs, air, Undertaker just pinned Kamala and pushed him into the coffin. Paul Bearer has nails and a hammer that says rip on it. Ready to nail Kamala in to the coffin. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been El Gigante, Jake Keel. He has been Mr. Rasslin, Lena Bumgarner. In this show has been just a little uh, too sweet. We'll be back next week. We love you. And remember, if you're too sweet, it's for life. Bye, guys.